Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Contradiction, a combination of statements, ideas, or features of a situation that are opposed to one another. This sermon is about contradictions. This sermon is going to be about how following Jesus leads us into a life that is full of contradictions. Now, I don't mean that in a negative sense. Sometimes we hear that word contradiction and we think of it as a bad thing. I'm not using it in that sense, really the opposite way. Uh, We're going to be thinking about, we're going to be talking about blessed contradictions. Blessed contradictions. Now, that word contradiction, it comes to us by way of Latin. Uh, There's two parts to it. The prefix contra, it means against or opposed. Uh, The second part, dictio, it means say or speak or proclaim or a statement. So you put those two parts together and you realize a contradiction is opposing statements or two opposite statements, statements that are held together with some sort of tension or maybe there's a paradox to the two of them. Uh, Let me give you an example of a contradiction. Uh, Our processional cross that we have here, I think we have a picture of it as well, our processional cross is a contradiction. As you look at it, on the right side, we see Jesus on the cross. He's on the cross in suffering, in pain. His arm is stretched out and it's held there by a nail. Uh, You can see his ribs protruding from his chest as he gasps for air. You can see his face looking down, down in pain, down in shame. But on the other side, as we look at it, on the left side, we see something totally different. Uh, If you can't see it very well in the picture, feel free after service, come up and take a closer look. But on the left side, we don't see Jesus in suffering and pain and shame, but we see the opposite. Victory, triumph, glory. Uh, His arm that was once held to the cross is now raised up. Raised up triumphant, raised up victorious as he's conquered over sin and death. Uh, Hold on to that image because we're going to come back to this uh, later on in the sermon. Now in our epistle reading uh, from 2 Corinthians, we heard a contradiction after contradiction after contradiction. Uh, Just a long list of them. And it began with these words. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That is a contradiction. Those are two opposing features or two opposing ideas. Uh, Treasure and jars of clay, earthen vessels, they don't go together. Treasure goes in a treasure chest. Treasure goes into a golden box. Treasure goes into a palace where it's on display for everyone to see. Jars of clay, they're made for wastewater. A common, mundane, ordinary, unimportant things. Treasure and jars of clay don't go together. Uh, Let me give you a modern example of what Scripture is saying here. A modern example, this comes from the news About 10 years ago, it comes from England, uh, and the headline reads like this. Grandmother loses life savings 
after throwing out 12,000 pounds with the rubbish. Uh, 12,000 pounds, that is equivalent to $16,000. So this lady in England threw away her life savings, equivalent to $16,000. How did that happen? Let's read on. An elderly woman has lost her life savings after accidentally throwing away 12,000 pounds into her wheelie bin, that's a garbage can, which then ended up being buried in the landfill. No trace was ever found with the money thrown away in a navy blue reusable shopping bag. There's your problem. <laughs> There's your problem. If you're sitting here today and your life savings is in a shopping bag, you should do something about that. <laughs> Uh, you should go home and you should put it in a bank or in a safe or really anything other than a shopping bag. Those things don't go together. You don't put your life savings into something so ordinary and so mundane as a shopping bag. But as we look at Scripture, that's what it's saying. Treasure in jars of clay. Now, this treasure that Scripture's talking about, it's not monetary. It's not a gold. It's not cash. It's not rubies. It's not diamonds. This is a totally different type of treasure. Uh, this is the knowledge of God. That's the treasure that Paul's talking about here. The knowledge of God, the truth of God, the wisdom of God, knowing who God is and what he does. Uh, you could say it's the good news of Jesus. It's knowing that God loves you, it's knowing that God has sent a Savior for you to come in human flesh, to live, to die, to shed his blood, to be triumphant over your sin, over your death. That's the treasure. Worth more than anything else in all of creation, that's the treasure. And where has God put that treasure? Jars of clay. You and me. We're the jars of clay. Uh, Genesis talks about how God has formed us out of the earth, out of the dust of the earth, out of the soil, you could say, out of the clay of the earth. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks about how, how we've been formed of the earth. We are people of dust. So we're the jars of clay. Earthen vessels, fragile, weak, prone to being broken and shattered. God has put his infinitely precious treasure into you and to me. Why? Why would God do that? Is God being silly? Like that grandmother who put her life savings into a shopping bag? Uh, as we read on it, Scripture tells us why God would do such a thing. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God had a very good reason for putting his treasure in you to show that it's his power, not yours. So that when anything good comes out of you, it's because God has put it in you. So if truth, the truth of God comes out of you, it's because the truth of God has been put in you. If the love of Jesus comes out of you, it's because the love of Jesus has been put into you. If you speak with, with any godly power and boldness and authority, it's because that power and that boldness and authority has been put in you by God himself. Any treasures that we have to offer are not our own. 
but they are the gifts that God has put in us. Now, as we go on in this text, that's not the only contradiction that we have. Not only treasure in jars of clay, but there's more of these, a whole long list of them. Going on in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. One after another after another of these tension-filled, blessed contradictions. And I want us to, to think about these and look at these each individually, make sure we understand what is God's word saying in these tensions. Uh, the first one, afflicted but not crushed. Afflicted but not crushed. Uh, life puts pressure on you. Uh, we are hard-pressed, you could say. Uh, there are pressures day in and day out pushing down on you and me, pushing down on our hearts, pushing down on our minds, our shoulders, our souls, all of these pressures pushing down on us. And there are times where we think, I can't do it. These pressures, the pressure of life, it's too much. But God says, even in the midst of those pressures, you won't be crushed. Even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death with pressure down on you, the good shepherd goes with you, carries you, promises you won't be crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Now, this literally translates as being at a loss, but not having lost out. Being at a loss, but not having lost out. Following Jesus is going to mean that you may lose certain things. In this world, you may lose power. You may lose control. You may lose social standing for following Jesus. You're going to lose out in certain ways because you're a follower of Jesus. But God says, even if you are at a loss, in the end, you won't have lost out. You may lose certain things in this world for following Jesus, but you will ultimately not lose out because the treasure of heaven, God's riches, are yours. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Uh, as the people of Jesus, we will face persecution. That's what he says throughout, uh, that there will be persecution, suffering, struggle. Uh, here in the United States, the persecution that we face is pretty minimal. Uh, you were able to come to worship today without any threat, without any uh, uh, prospect of violence happening to you, but that's not the case for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Uh, in parts of Africa, parts of the Middle East, parts of Asia, persecution is a daily reality for the people of Jesus. And what we hear, even if we're persecuted, even in the midst of that, we are not forsaken. That if you are standing with Jesus, you're never standing alone. If and when persecution comes, God will not forsake his people. Struck down, but not destroyed. Similar to the last one, when we are struck down, God promises to his people, you will not be destroyed. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words in 2 Corinthians, he's a living example of these very words. Uh, Acts 14 says this, they stoned Paul 
and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. He was struck down, stoned, beat up, dragged out of the city, left for dead, but not destroyed. He got up, kept proclaiming the good news of Jesus, carrying the death of Jesus, but revealing the life of Jesus. Uh, You and me, we are living, breathing contradictions in this regard, that wherever we go, we are carrying the death of Jesus with us. What that means is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are broken vessels in need of a, a, a potter to remake us and make us new. We are broken people who need the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, carrying the death of Jesus with us wherever we go, but also the life of Jesus because you are forgiven, you are made new, you have been cleansed by Christ. He lives in you. And then finally, this whole section, this whole section, it ends with one last contradiction. This is verse 10. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Death is at work in us, but life in you. In a world that is consumed by death, in the midst of a world that's plagued by death, you have life. Not just the future promise of life, but the certainty of life in Christ today, tomorrow, and each and every day thereafter for all eternity, even in a world of death. Even as the headlines talk about death, even as we lose loved ones, we have life in Christ. And you see, friends, these contradictions, they're not equally matched. They're not equally matched. It's not as if suffering and hope in Christ are equally matched. It's not as if death and life are equally matched. One side is always stronger. One side is always greater, that even in the midst of suffering, we have peace in Jesus. Even in a world of death, we have greater life in him. Uh, That processional cross, I I want us to always look to the side, look to the place where Jesus is pointing. One of those sides on that cross is stronger than the other, is greater than the other, the side of victory, the side of certainty, the side of life in Christ. This is most certainly true. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.